But sometimes I don't say things quite right. And I ran across a, uh, some uh, Canadian car rental agency reports on accidents. And they had exited things that people wrote down after the accident and what they said happened. And you might get what they meant, but it wasn't exactly right. For instance, <clears throat> one pedestrian, one guy was in a wreck, said the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. <laughs> can, you, can you give me a break, you know? I mean, if I... If I, you know what he meant, you know, that he, he was there and he, I, I couldn't stop, but he didn't say anything. He, just, he said what he said. How would you like to be the attorney to try to defend him in court? Another one wrote, I, a truck backed through my windshield into my wife's face. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve several times before I hit him. <laughs> I've learned that it's impossible to preach anywhere without offending some people because you don't know what's the maybe and then you do and you don't want to. I seriously, there's not a, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> Believe me, but I might not say it the right way. In my attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. <laughs> Two more and I got to go. I got to do some preaching here. I told the police I was not injured, but upon removing my hat, I found I had a fractured skull. <laughs> Lay down, sir. Lay down. Last one. I was sure the old fellow would never make it to the other side of the road when I struck him. <laughs> oh, there's the other one. This is a Baptist excuse. An invisible car... came out of nowhere <laughs> struck my vehicle and vanished <laughs> how come you didn't make the church nice to see you uh, invisible devil came out and he <laughs> it's something like that anyway I am so uh, happy to be here. Uh, I'm enjoying so, in a special way. There are so many events in, in my life in the busy as a, as a counselor, clinical counselor, and also as a uh, minister, conference speaker. The, there are so many times that I see God work because I have such opportunities to see him work in desperate situations. And uh, this week, I have seen and felt the presence of Almighty God. And uh, it is such a joy to serve him. Uh, I'm nervous up here serving him. I'll feel a lot better when somebody's serving me food. And uh, the preacher said, I said, how long uh, uh, do you want me to preach? He said, well, you ought to just be concerned about the money. He said, uh, uh, we have, we have a, a uh, uh, you can preach an hour. And that's a, I got that ring. Is that, that was me. I did this. I'll try not to do that anymore. Can I go on? Are you going to shut me off? Can I keep going? All right. Uh, he said, well, there's an hour sermon. 
and we pay $10 for an hour sermon. I got it. So he said, you preach 45 minutes, we'll give you 100 bucks. <laughs> 30 minutes, $250. You give me a real good 17-minute sermon, maybe a thousand bucks. So, in closing, I'd like to say today, <laughs> hey, I'm trying. I'm trying to fit in. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to another uh, lengthy text. We'll read about 15 verses. I'll say a few things, and, and I will close. It won't be real long. I'm counting on the preacher to keep me on track, so just whatever. This is a good uh, counselor's study because we work with people that are a little bit strange. Whew, I guess pastors do too. So, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And there came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes, and they came. Are you am I, where I'm at? Am I right? Mark 5, right? Verse 1. And they came over to the other side. All right, number, verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, Say, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. Forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. 2,000. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And it came to pass, and they come uh, see what was done, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they saw, it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him, Jesus, to depart out of their coast. Heavenly Father, I know there are no accidental meetings. I thank you that I am in this place at this time. 
You bought me a long time ago. You paid a price. And I am eternally grateful that your love has descended to this body, to the, this church body, that we are your children. Teach us. Inspire us with your word today, we pray. Amen. Well, <clears throat> number one, I would like to have been there. I have this imagination. It's a full-blown Technicolor 3D surround sound, 52-inch screen. I can almost see it, but can you imagine the sight? Wouldn't you, if, we, if we get a time machine, you transport it back and say, we're, I'm the leader in the Holy Lands, and we're out. And I said, okay. And we're standing on the shore of the sea in the gatherings. And I say, look, see that little boat? The people in it. Jesus is in that boat. And it keeps coming closer and closer. How would you like to have been standing around just watching him come up to shore? And then as he stepped to the front of the boat, Watch it now. This footprint goes into the sand. And he stands there. It's the footprint of God. Jesus was God, wasn't he? Isn't he? Will he forever be? And I could say as your guide, that's the footprint of God. Now look up. There he is. What if he spun and he just looked at you? You'd be looking into the eyes of God. Then here comes this rogue. Thank <coughs> the Lord I don't have to deal with this insanity. I mean, my work is somewhat constricted. Here comes this naked savage crying, screaming, running out falls before the Lord. When they looked at each other, it's the pure evil of demons' eyes looking into the eyes of pure holiness. And you know there was some restlessness there. Uh-oh, this is no ordinary man. There he was. So we see here in the word of God a meeting between the holy of holy of holies, the sinless Savior, and an adulterated evil filth. Strange, isn't it? I pastored the, in downtown St. Paul, and to be honest, I had... Very strange people come to my downtown church. We had a, we, this, is, this is not name dropping or gloating. Or, we had this three camera system and we had to maintain some decorum in the church. So I'd say, <clears throat> look, ushers, usher. And if someone comes in, it's a little strange. Come on, keep your eyes open. I think I think if someone like that walked through the back, we had these big double back doors in the auditorium, someone had walked in. 
I hope the deacons wouldn't go, well, did you look at that? <laughs> We've had, for instance, Mary, the mother of Jesus, attend our church. <laughs> we interviewed her after the service, and she said, the reason the services are going so well for you, Dr. Haywood, is I'm Mary, the mother of Jesus. And my associate jumped up and said, I know your son. <laughs> he was, Nathan, he was always such a smart aleck as an associate pastor. We had a man wrapped in yellow plastic that visited our church. No, I, I'm not a raincoat. Like the stuff that you put on the table to protect food. And he had somehow wrapped himself all the way like a, almost a mummy. And the door came open, and there he went. But when he walked, it made noise. Crinkle, crink, crink, crink. Three cameras. One of our cameramen goes, Oh, tell the world, will you? The yellow plastic service has begun. <clears throat> so I'm preaching, and I'm not a good preacher. You, you, know, you know that. Now I stutter, I stammer, I say the wrong thing. <clears throat> and it happened to be pretty good. And I was so sort of stuck on myself in those days when I was younger. And I couldn't wait to hear what I was going to say next. You know? <laughs> and I was going along, but then, of course, a yellow plastic man tends to catch your eye. Oh, and another thing. Oh, there's a man with a little plastic rat coming into my auditorium. Stop him, deacons. Stop him, ushers. Do whatever you have to do. I wasn't saying that. They didn't stop him. They did that number again. Well, would you look at that? And he walked right on down, crank, 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 crank. He that's him, right there. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Nick. I mean, we had Santa Claus, last one. <laughs> when the service was over, he was like, I could hear him back there going, ho, ho, ho. When the service was over, he was down. He's passing out candy and things. And I felt weird. And my deacons, I thought, might go corner him, you know. Beat him up, tell God it was an accident, you know, that kind of thing. And, but went back there, and they were getting candy from him. <laughs> I don't know why ushers don't ushers and deacons don't deke sometimes, but it was one of those days. You say, now that's just the Christmas spirit. On Easter Sunday, he came in on Easter Sunday. Ho, 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 passing out candy. But I got to say, when I read that, doesn't that just about take the cake? And notice I would say that he's a strange worshiper. Yeah. It's what the Bible says. I believe the book. He fell down before Christ and he worshiped him. So we have a little bit of a problem here. We've got to figure it out. But one thing it does for me immediately it arrests my attention, and, and, I, and I know that I have uh, Christ in the power of prayer, but as a clinical counselor, I'm so saddened sometimes when people are so 
and maybe not because of demons, maybe because of other disorders or things, and you want them to be better so bad, and you want it to be okay so bad, and you can't fix it. But that's another problem. Those of us in the church sometimes look outside the church, and we go, that, thank God, I'm not like that guy. Yeah, well do. But it's the idea that we get in our mind and in our heart that the reason wicked people don't come to church is because they are so wicked and they are so demented and they are so awful and they are so ungodly that they want to stay away from such a holy place as this. I think there's something we all need to learn here. That a lot of evil is pretense too. People don't mistake appearance that they have no interest whatsoever in the things of God. They might not want to go to our church. Now, don't, I'm not going where you think I'm going to nothing. They may not be interested in coming to our church, but there may be other reasons they aren't interested in coming to our church. But you know what I found? If Christians radiate Christ, it's the drawing card that pulls evil people to him. Maybe the, the spirit of God that needs to move upon churches is that we should live what we profess in such a way and stop talking about how, thank God, we're not like them, and start talking about God can reach even them. He can do that. Now that's, to me, what, what came from that. It was just that they, 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 they uh, it, it's, it's not the, it is not the person of Christ that's not attractive. Because when he stepped out, the demons, everyone, the power of Christ threw him to his knees. And the Bible says, look at this. Two things. You know how hard it is to get people to come to church on Friend Sunday? Or whatever it is, you go and say, hey, would you be my friend? No, I'm not your friend anymore. Don't ever knock on my door again. I don't want you to be not my friend. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that we need to change the emphasis from the place to the person. I want to talk to you about the person. When I started to witness, when I was so wonderfully saved, I, what a miracle, and so sinful, I found in my early witnessing that the more I talked about him and what he could do in their lives and what he's done in my life, the more effective my witness was. People need to see Christ in us. I'm not saying that he, that doesn't, isn't true of you. But I want you to see that instead of trying to encourage him, it was him that ran to Jesus immediately, and he ran to fall at the, knee, the feet of Jesus. American churches almost bask in their goods and goodness. 
And truly, when you think about the Laodicean church age, there is an attitude in many churches we have now. I'm not trying to scold this church. I'm just trying to tell you scriptural facts. That we have need of nothing. We're poor, we're wretched, miserable, blind, naked. Do you hear that word, naked? Aren't we glad that we're not like them? Sometimes if we are so far from God because we think we're okay, we've lost the ability to see our badness. All right, that's the worst part of any rebuke. But I want to awaken you with the little time that I have with a fresh view of the person and the power of Christ. And I want you to understand that many, many people, in my experience as a clinical counselor who are deeply depraved, are deeply sinful, still have a rather desperate desire to find peace in their heart and to find Christ. This man certainly was depraved. He was tormented. He was unclean. He was unruly. He was unstable. He was unsure. And he was unsaved. But unless I'm somehow missing the point of the scripture, there was still this powerful draw of the person of Christ that made him seek and made him fall before God, hoping for mercy. There are people like that. There are people, and we make that mistake. We, I think it will be true. Isn't Witnessing to a neighbor isn't as hard for me as maybe witnessing to my relatives. Have you tried to witness to your brother or your sister? Have you been, I'm see, I see so many heads shaking. Have you been discouraged when they look at you like you're crazy? And sometimes you get, you don't want to, you try to avoid it and you get into an argument with them and you go, so back off. I don't want to argue. I just want to tell you about my, you self-righteous thing. You, you come in here and you tell me, who are you tell me? And I, <laughs> All right. What I want you to know is that it's very easy for people to say things with their lips that they don't feel in the depths of their heart. That he's tormented, he's evil, he's awful. And then look at what this man did. He came to Christ and it was the things that he said. He, was, he, was, he ran and he worshipped him and he cried out with a loud voice. And, that he, uh, and he, uh, he, he, what he cried out for was for help. And the demons were crying out in fear. But there he was before Christ. Now, let me ask you a question here. Uh, this man would not be the kind of person, if you walked up to the door and this guy opened the door and he'd growl and he'd say, excuse me, I have the wrong house. Here's the track. Well, I know, I know the feeling. I know what it meant to talk to my dad be, shortly before he died. I know what it meant to, to go through the ridicule and, and that. But this, this, uh, this, this person who immediately ran and wanted, uh, and Christ was about to make whole. Look what had happened here. Now, <clears throat> here we see that he worshiped Christ. I guess we can't say the Bible said anything wrong. But he fell on his knees and worshipped him. So here's my point. 
Now, I understand there's different ways maybe you would look at this, but here's, here's what I'm thinking, that how can someone so depraved be worshiping? He didn't reflect that in his dress, attitude, or anything. The demons were inside of him, and in the midst of that, it says he worshiped. Be interested in your comments. I uh, <clears throat> used to do debates when I was in uh, St. Paul as a pastor, any of you remember Madeline Murray O'Hare? Any of the, the, yeah. I did a couple of national, uh, uh, national affiliate debates uh, with her. Boy, what, what a witch. And uh, <laughs> and I had sort of a little, you know, I was a little younger and a little more passionate, you know, and, I, and, and she started lipping off and I did too. <coughs> And uh, she said, you have, you, you have nothing to say. Oh, yeah, I do. And I said, you need a sign on your forehead that says space available. There's plenty of room up there. <laughs> and so I met her at her own pace, you know. And it was, it was just so funny. And, she, and so then she got really mad. She said, you tell me one reason. Give me one concrete reason that there's a God. And all this boiling up. And in my opinion, and I'm not a a demon promoter <laughs> but I, I think obviously demon possessed I mean you have to be there to see her her actions but 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 she just oh you give me one reason that there's a God in heaven you can't have and I said your son oh maybe you don't know that God saved her son you know that so here's this atheistic, communistic, anti-prayer and church woman screaming and hollering. And, and what does God do? Don't tell me he doesn't have a sense of humor. He saved her son. There. What do you think of that, Madeline? And he's going around. He was going around. I don't know where he's now. But he was going around saying, my mom's nuts. And all of her atheism and all of her communism couldn't drive from the breast of that young boy's heart that void that was there could only be filled with Christ's God Almighty. But that was not near as much fun as her answer. She's sort of frumpish. I have a lot of other names. And uh, she looked at me and she stood up. And the, the talk show host was going, oh no, oh no. You know, and she said, for God's sake, you leave my son out of this. <laughs> and I said, oh, you do believe in God. That was just a saying. Oh, it was. Well, here, I want to read something. And she thought it was the Bible, and she slapped it out of my hand. It was her book. And she said, get that trash away from me. I said, you got that one right. That was good. <laughs> and I reached over and picked up the book, and I read on the back of it. And I said, Madeline, it says here in your book, fighting God and God's man is sort of the ultimate. Did you write that? I'm going to tell you something. God put an emptiness in the heart of sinners that can only be filled by Christ. It can only be filled by Christ. It can only be filled for Christ. If there is no God, Madeline, 
if a concept is wholly abhorrent to you, why are you fighting against somebody that doesn't exist? So I think that there's something in her heart that we don't know. And she may not have been as far from God as we think because she was wrestling with the angels of heaven. When I uh, quit, um, oh, by the way, this Bible right here, if you don't believe me, take, people are scared of God. Go to your grocery store, take this size Bible. And just hold it like this and walk. Good morning. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, this, these steaks look pretty good. <laughs> oh, there's nobody else here. What happened to the crowd? <laughs> you want to sit alone on the plane? You open up the word. <laughs> Hi. Don't take one of those pen knives, those little new te- get the big one. It'll do it. People instinctively know I was in the Bahamas on my boat suffering for Jesus. And it was night. On the out islands, I looked up and the sky was so full. And I, it's not just because I'm saved. And my chest just almost broke open. Oh, God. Oh, God, the heavens declare the glory of God. He's everywhere. I obviously I, I, uh, I'm not getting through my sermon as much as I want to, but I want you to get this one point. Here's the point: Don't be discouraged in witnessing to relatives and loved ones and friends, even if they eat your lunch, because I guarantee you that people always say with their lips what they don't feel in their heart, and that goes in reverse. You know how we say you could be singing gospel songs and your heart be far from Jesus? Well, you could be far from Jesus and Jesus isn't very far from you. And you can be thinking quite differently. You might be right on the verge of that person being saved. I, uh, I resigned uh, my job as a, as a salesman for Cessna Aircraft and pilot for them, delivered planes for them, to go in the ministry. And my boss... <clears throat> I announced it to my boss. Said, "I'm not. Uh, I'm going to go now to uh, to the ministry. I'm, I'm surrendering the ministry. God called me to preach." And he looked at me, and this is exactly what he said. He said, "Idiot." That's all he said. Just turned around and walked out. And I resigned three months before I was going. What an idiot I was! Because for three minutes I was tormented. I was absolutely tormented by his awful insults. And what, and you, what you, that's so stupid. You've got such a career, you got this, oh, you ought to do that. And I just, oh, I couldn't wait to get away from him. And I witnessed to him and I talked to him and I told him about the love. Oh, get rid of me, just shut up. And he, and he got into calling me fool, fool, fool. Sometimes I just walk by his office and he'd go, fool. And that's what he'd do came the day for me to leave, and he said, I'll walk you out. And I didn't want him to walk me out because I had sold my new Ford LTD so I could afford college and bought an old Corvair. 
and I didn't want him to see how God was taking care of me right now. Because it's just a real junky looking car. But he insisted, and he said, I'm going to take you out. All right, I'll let you do it. So we walked out, and he said, well, uh, I guess I'll never see you again. Uh, I, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm not going to be back. Oh, uh, you're such an idiot. And that kind of a conversation. So I got there. It was a cold day, icy day. I didn't want, and I got in the car, and I closed the door. And I thought, I am so glad to be rid of that criticism. And I didn't want to start the car, but it was so cold. And I didn't want to start the car because it had a gasoline heater. And when you start it, a two-foot flame would come out from under the dash and kill the passenger. <laughs> so you wanted to make sure there was nobody in there. But I did. And of course, it heated up fast. And uh, <laughs> if you had a cold dog, you could warm it up there, and then you'd be fine to eat that dog. So I put you know, the little lever. I put the little lever in gear, and I went forward about three feet. Oh, no. I was afraid to roll down that window. He's knocking on the window. So I scooched it down just a little bit. And my first thought was, oh, I have run over his foot. <laughs> because he was big tears coming down his cheeks. Big rolling tears. I've run over his foot. I, what have I done? And I said, what? And he said, I, Richard, I wished I had what you had. Corvair? <laughs> I'm just a young Christian. And then it just hit me like an electric shock. All of that time that he had been so mean and tried to discourage me from talking, and how he called me a fool and an idiot. Do you know what he was saying inside? I need what this man has found. I need it. And one of the devil's biggest tricks is for you to lose your love and passion to share this precious gospel with your friends, your loved ones, because they treated you mean. Get used to it. They hung Christ on a cross. And just... Give it to God and say, I'm not going to give up. I, I know my time is pretty, well, okay. Don't say that. And uh, it's really hard to witness. I witnessed to my dad, when, certainly before I died, I said, and I couldn't. I came to the last day. I had to go back to college. And uh, I was going, and I said, I was, I was so, felt so guilty. Some of you here suffer from guilt. Sometimes it takes a lot of help to work and make it work. But I felt so guilty, I couldn't even witness to my own dad. But he's mean, mean as a snake, you know. And uh, so I'm walking back to the car, and I'm just about breaking down. And I reached in my backyard, back pocket for a handkerchief, backyard. And, uh, <laughs> see, I told you. I told you. I'm half of that demoniac. And so I reached back, and I, put, and I had a crumpled track. And I turned around and I said, you God, give me the strength to do this. <laughs> give me the strength. Here. What's that? It's, it's, it tells you about the gospel. Aren't you going to take it? 
if you stopped shaking, stuffed it in his back pocket. All the way back in the plane, I wept and I cried. What kind of a Christian am I? What kind of that? And I was anxious to talk to him again to find out. And the phone rang. It was my sister. Richard, Marianne, you okay? Richard, uh, dad died this morning. I got to keep this in the breath of decent time frame, but I went, uh, went to the funeral, of course, and then mom started leaning on me and said, well, will you, you help me with the papers and the bills and things? And they were such private people, close family, you couldn't get inside of it. And so I went piling through all the stuff and all of a sudden, Here's a letter from Moody Bible Institute. That might be a bad word. I don't know. But Moody Bible Institute. And I owed a bill at Moody Bible Institute that I hadn't paid. My first thought is not only was I a horrible witness, but this letter was probably billing my dad for my bill. What a testimony. And it was with the deepest and heaviest of hearts that I flipped it open and I had it memorized. Dear Ray, congratulations for accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. We're sending you some extra materials to get you started on your new walk with Christ. Mom? <laughs> what? What's this letter from Moody? Well, that came just after we started going to church. What church? The church you used to go to. What did Dad wear? There was a reason for that. <laughs> he wore the new suit that he bought. And that reminds me, he has another one that he was going to pick up Sunday. Why did he start going to church? From the Bible course, Richard. Why did he enroll in a Bible course? Richard, come down here if you want to talk to me. <laughs> Why did he enroll in the Bible course? The track you gave me. If you'll stop shaking, I'll take it. Do you get it? The devil was using that guy's voice to say terrible things. But in his heart, he still knew that he needed Christ. And in that moment, there was a worshipful atmosphere. And there he came to the Lord. Now we got to close. I don't know where your cemetery is in town. Don't mean to be irreverent. But let's just say that the wind is blowing. Storms, foghorns. Oh. Oh, well, it's more like an old cow, isn't it? <laughs> but let's just say you're out in a stormy, foggy night like it was this morning, and you're driving by the cemetery, and the cemetery gates are clanging, clang, 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 and you're in your Subaru. 
whatever. <laughs> and you are driving right to the gates, and the gates are blowing, the tumbleweeds are coming across. You hear a foghorn, I'll try it again. Oh, that's better. Oh, and your Subaru dies. Would you even get out of your car? Or would you just wait for the fog? Just walk. <laughs> All right, let's see. You're big, brave. Great. Look, see these pipes? Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So you got out of the car. You pop the hood. You pull the hood up. Now you've got to get your head under the hood. That's a trip, isn't it? Because you're getting a really bad spot if you don't do it. If you don't think here. Oh, no, I'm big. All right, you got your head over there looking around. And if somebody then said, hi. <laughs> wouldn't you have a tendency to get your head out from under that hood rather fast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the man right there. He just done it twice. You'd slam that hood. You'd, you wouldn't have to start the Subaru. You'd push it. <laughs> try to say <laughs> Because sometimes people are so mean and they're so godless and they're so unsaved and it's almost scary to be around them. Okay, I get it. We should walk not in the world. But don't you think that the worst of sinners can be the greatest trophy of God's grace. And we have no right to give up on someone whom Christ died for. And especially those that you love. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for prayer, if you would please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Again, I'm getting used to this church and I appreciate you putting up with me. And I've tried as best as I can to know that I know that some of your family are outside of the fold. I know this church is here to bring people in the fold. And I somehow felt this morning when I thought of all that I deal with in homes and families that I wanted to encourage you to get your, bring your family home. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Know that God, that if someone's mistreating you because you lovingly share the gospel with them, it's not a sign often that God is not working. It's a sign that he is. And when someone feels beyond redemption to you, that's probably why Christ had to go to that shore that day because there was nobody else that would have done what he did. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. It's not been a gospel message, but I do.